welcome back to the Dr. Body Mind Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. Christina Watson wears many hats. She is a creative, a facilitator, and works within the charity sector. But I have brought her onto this podcast to talk about death, because Christina wants to disrupt the way we relate to death as a society. And in doing so, she is creating purposeful peer groups known as huddles, because she believes that our learning does not have to be limited to institutions and curriculum written by someone else, but we can learn in creative ways in community, especially when dealing with this theme. So welcome, Christina. Thank hi. you for hi. Thank you for coming on here to talk about. I mean, this is just such a an emotive and difficult topic to talk about in many spheres, and I think it's still quite taboo within our society. And as as a doctor, this can be really quite problematic because you know we avoid people people in general avoid confronting this until it is sometimes actually happening and i see that in the a&e department so i think you know creating spaces where we are able to talk about death um in a less urgent environment feels mm-hmm. really intriguing and really interesting and really important actually yeah I couldn't agree more yeah and I know that you know you've arrived at this topic from a very different perspective and Mm. I would really appreciate if you could share with me and our audience like how you got here yeah absolutely um, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think I have felt this tabooness around death kind of all of my life and have just got to a position where I've got kind of time and space to to explore it. Um, and when I think about where it's come from for me, there's an obvious starting point. Um, I was bereaved as a child. My mum died when I was one. And so I had a really early experience of, of death in my, um, in my world, in my body, and grew up with grief as a, as a companion, as, as kind of something I was getting to know and continue to get to know, continues to show up differently for me as I go through different stages of my life. And at this juncture, at this stage, I've been diving into my grief a little bit differently. I've been looking at it actually from a more creative place. Um, I recently did a creative project with a friend who asked to interview me about my grief and we ended up making a piece of radio. Um, And I've been looking at it much more as a a relationship, um, something that is, you know, being in relationship with grief. um, And and that's been a, a very interesting reframing for me. Um, and, and the process of doing that 
is making me kind of scrutinize and um and look at how society at large thinks about this topic how i've been received um from people around me when i've tried to broach this topic um from a place of my own grief but then kind of looking out at actually yeah how are we talking about death in general how are we relating to death um and just sort of seeing how difficult it is, how uncomfortable lots of people find this, how avoidant um, generally we are, how we kind of push it to the edges. Um, and yeah, generally feeling like that's that's not that's not probably the best way. <laughs> we could be I think we could be doing better. Um, and I think like with anything that we avoid, it will show up in different ways. It will manifest um, in us individually as as groups. Um, and I think we can we can see that in um, yeah kind of a few different different ways. So I suppose my my starting point was a really personal one. And as I've begun yeah exploring more into what being with grief is like for me, noticing that actually it can be a really profound opening, deepening, richening experience to work with grief, and then seeing how much we're not doing that as as kind of the norm um so yeah feeling like I want to as you say disrupt that a bit Mm. Mm. so I'm really hearing that as someone who has experienced death from the perspective of personal loss you found it difficult to I guess navigate or speak to or um, experience your own grief in relation to others because it was so Mm. uncomfortable for people to be there, hold space for, sit with, discuss, find the language. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, yeah. Totally. And, And I think I was thinking about this recently, actually, that, as I was growing up, like most of the react, when I told people that my mum had died, whether that was a teacher or friends, you know, kind of people in my life, generally speaking, the reaction that I got was one of kind of stiffening and, oh, I don't really know what to say. And people kind of apologising or looking quite uncomfortable. And obviously as a child and you learn, OK, well, this thing is making people feel uncomfortable. I probably shouldn't talk about this thing and this. Yeah this is something bad or maybe I'm bad um, for bringing it up and making people feel uncomfortable. Um, And I remember the first time I got a different reaction to this kind of like discomfort. And I must have been, I was quite late on in life. I think I was in my late twenties. It was somebody who I'd started working with on a, on a new project. We were out for coffee and I told, I mentioned, in passing that that my mum had died and I had this experience and he took it in what I said he thought about it for a minute he said wow Christina that's really interesting that must make your perspective on the world really interesting that you lost a parent very young like what was that like for you and he asked me from a real place of curiosity um and as you say creating space And it was so, I was quite taken aback actually by that response because it had been so unlike any other response really that I'd had prior to that. And that moment made me realise, oh, that's what what I'm looking for, actually. I'm looking for people to say, that's really interesting. Tell me more. 
Because I think grief is is really interesting. I think that although it was very sad, the experience of my mum dying is actually one of the most interesting things about me. It's changed the way that I relate to the world. And I think that is really interesting. And it can be, um, yeah, it can kind of offer us a, a, a new perspective and different ways of relating if we give it space and then we can look at it. And so it was so interesting to be, yeah, to be kind of offered that from somebody and and, and then see by comparison <laughs> um, that, that that isn't, you know, that wasn't the, the norm. And, and so, yeah, I guess I'm keen to create more, re- more reactions like that to kind of build us, build our confidence in talking about this topic and kind of normalizing that. Oh, I love that. I mean, I, I can imagine a sense of relief at like just being um, actually around somebody who was able to um, explore with you what it was like to be in grief. And what really strikes me is that when you talk about this experience of grief and death, it allows you to see and experience life really differently. Can you expand on your experience of how experiencing such a profound death so close to you so early has changed Mm. your perspective on how you live? Because I think this is so important. Like I've I've experienced a loss um, a couple of years ago from a friend my age, and that was such a profound experience. Um, it really did challenge how I was I was living, and I I see her death as such a profound gift to me, in in in, yeah. in ways because it has allowed me to see life and experience life differently. Mm. Really curious as to your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think there's yeah there's a few a few ways it manifests. I think that the, my experience of grief when it really kind of takes a hold is that it is this kind of force that that takes over me that is a, a kind of a stopping in the in my tracks it's a kind of demand that's quite intense emotion that means that everything else kind of falls away and it fo- focuses the attention and says you need to you know kind of come here look at this this thing this this thing is important um and I think, you know, often the temptation in those moments can be to can be quite intense. So it can be to try and distract it or try and numb it and, and kind of get away from it. But what I found is that if if we if I can be with it, if I can actually stay in that place, um, then there is there is a lot that it's telling me. <laughs> it's kind of being being curious with that very intense experience. Um, and the times that I've worked with that in in kind of different therapeutic and kind of uh, coaching spaces what I have found when I go you know kind of excavating down a little bit in there into what is this feeling what how does it feel in my body is is love essentially it's a really deep experience of of love and this you know this is something that people do do talk about that kind of grief is the cost of love or you know that we've got um there's this lovely phrase that um Francis Weller talks about um, this great book about, um, I'll see if I can get it right, that something like, yeah, that grief, essentially that grief kind of dares us to love, to love again, and that, and, and that it's this experience of loving what death can touch, um, which is this kind of human, human experience that and everything that we love 
we will lose. And that's a very hard thing to sit with. Um, but I think when we when we go there, then we see actually that but but hopefully most of us would agree that we want love in our lives, that love is this, you know, incredible um kind of interface with the world. Um but that but that, that kind of reality is true that love um that we will lose everything that we love. And so I think it then that it sort of sharpens for me, it sharpens the focus and says, okay, well, what do I love? What matters to me? How can I spend my time and my energy on the things that I love, the things that bring me joy, knowing that I can lose those things, but knowing kind of openly and, and embracing that. Um, it's a, it's an edge, you know, it's a real edge, but I, I often think about it as a bit of a of a scale almost like you've got, you know, the, the how much you're open to to loving and being in the world opens you up to an equal amount of pain and sorrow from that being at risk of loss. And so we could choose to live really kind of narrowly and just open ourselves up to a little bit and then, you know, be in a safer space where I've got less to lose. Um, so for me, it, it kind of being in relationship with grief and being closer to death um, actually is, is an opportunity for opening. It says, like, it's almost this, this kind of daring or encouraging to, to, to live more, um, more widely, kind of a, a sort of richer, um, yeah, richer living. I, I think that, yeah, that is, is some of my, my experience with it. And then I, I think there's, it, it also kind of calls into question for me, and maybe, maybe we'll get onto this, but all of the different, the, the, the kind of way that we are living so separately from death. Um, and we have kind of built, you know, within a sort of capitalist, very consumerist society, a lot of, a lot of kind of the stories that we have, the narratives are about having a, a pleasant, happy life with a you know with products that we can buy to make us feel good to make us feel comfortable and safe and that this is the model that we're in is that if you're you know kind of feeling bad there's probably something you can buy you can feel better and um, you know another step up the ladder and all of that for me serves to you know anything that's uncomfortable is is kind of cast out put to the side is not really it's not kind of worth being with um so we we kind of really separate ourselves from death and and even from you know how we live in um particularly in in cities where we're quite disconnected from nature we're not seeing the natural cycles of death kind of occur in in nature um and so we almost build this sense of of immortality i think of it, it death can't touch us i feel that yeah, I, if I just kind of play by the rules and be a consumer and and you know kind of move through life in this in this way, then then maybe I am untouchable, um, and I think that's really risky. That's very unnatural. We're really living quite far away from you know actually our our kind of human animal selves. Um, so I, I just wonder also what that is doing for us to be living so far away from what is this kind of um fundamental truth i think that's i sort of see the consequence of that within the emergency department i'm working in the hospital you know i think that yeah. we do um 
yeah, we're very out of touch with our own sense of mortality. And so that when we're in a situation where that may feel more present, we are totally unprepared for it. And mm-hmm. that, you know, can happen to us personally, but also with our families, you know, no discussions yeah. had around death. And what I also find is that, you know, when we're having conversations around end of life, which, you know, are not expected, you know, this is not not talking about in my line of work, you know, a death is very rarely expected. Um, mm. Then there's a real challenge to get us all on the same page that actually a change of we need to we need to change our focus into preserving life to actually making a comfortable death but that can Mm. be such a huge leap and can we can be so unprepared for that um that actually I think that those conversations are really difficult and what I find quite fascinating is that there is such a chasm between what a doctor would actually want in those situations to what mm. the public would want. And I think that's mm. because a doctor is very aware of what happens um, in the dying process and what they would there yeah. for that. And yet the public um, are so out of touch with time process and their proximity to it that they want everything um and they often say we want you to do everything to preserve life without actually understanding what that can really mean and entail Mm. for that person and the likely outcomes of those things it can be really difficult to have those conversations in a meaningful way I think because of what you've just said, we are so out of touch with our own mortality and that mm. possibility that we've never considered. Um, mm. We've never considered it. And and um, that can be extremely abrupt and quite understandably yeah. very difficult then to face um, mm. at the time at which it's happening. So... Yeah, I think, you know, I, I do see the, the consequence of that. Totally. And, and what it makes me think of is just speaking, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor and don't work in that field. But when I think about the people, I think about my grandparents dying, um, died in hospital, people that I've known who I've visited at, at end of life. Um, I can remember finding that experience really um really separating actually that visit, visiting my nan when she was dying in a hospital bed and going through the process of kind of having to I don't know walk about 15 minutes through a hospital ward to even find her find her room there was no chair in her room that she was in this kind of bed that was a bit like a um, you know, with lots of kind of barriers, I couldn't, I couldn't even get to sit down next to her and hold her hand. Like I couldn't, I couldn't actually kind of access her, you know, because I, because it was this this very kind of medicalized situation, and it really made me think, God, what would this have, what what is this like in other parts of the world in communities that are living still in closer knit spaces, um, and what would it have been like for our ancestors um, if we were. Yeah, still living in um, in kind of closer communities. And I, you know, imagine this 
situation of kind of be, being much closer around um, around people as they're dying, you know, and mm. having that happen in in community, being able to hold hold someone's hand, be able to witness that process. Um, most likely as a child, seeing people die, just as you might see um, yeah, nature around us and see animals die, see the cycles of life. And so I think part of it for me also feels like because we've sort of moved, you know, built structures and infrastructure in society that, um, you know, is it keeps those things kind of really separate. Um, there actually just isn't the opportunity, the exposure um, that we might have had um, and that certainly obviously other people, other um, communities and cultures in the world um, do still have. I, I wonder what we're losing from, from that. Mm. Yeah. And I also want to add to that. I think that there has been some improvement over the last few decades with the dawn of mm. hospice care. And I think that there yes. is a recognition to sort of bring a more homely family community mm. experience to yeah. death. and I think that that is so welcome and so needed mm. having said that many people die in hospital and mm. I do agree I think that that can be quite uh, an unnatural base to to die it's not around mm-hmm. our loved ones often there are alarms going on everywhere there mm-hmm. are lights um, on unfamiliar staff coming in it can just yeah. I think um it's um yeah it's 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 um it's something that needs to be considered and if we're not talking mm-hmm. about it and we send people to hospital and they die in hospital then it's sort of again just like shrouded you know it's just mm. separation so yeah um and it's not it's, it's just not an easy topic to be talking about because it's just not talked no. you 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 from these this huddle that you're creating there's an emphasis on learning mm. rather than just purely support that I'm hearing mm-hmm. can you mm. expand a little bit more about what the what 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 the importance of learning is around mm. yeah definitely um so just for a little bit of context um yeah what i'm setting up is is called a huddle it's it's part of a, a wider kind of organization ecosystem called huddlecraft which is all about peer to peer learning and creating spaces for peer groups to learn together um the idea being that a lot of us have questions themes that we want to explore that sit outside of sort of courses whether that's a master's or even PhDs um, that are offered by kind of traditional education institutions and for a lot of people you know that that sort of root of um, of studying and learning isn't isn't right for them um, so it's about actually offering a, an alternative um, where every person comes with their own learning question um, and the, the huddle that I'm uh, offering as you said is, is around these themes of death loss and grief so I'm inviting anyone who has a question that they would like to explore on for six months um, together with a peer group of 10 or 10 to 12 others 
who are all exploring from different angles, but but kind of looking at this this broad theme. Um, and it's about pooling our different perspectives, our experience, our resources and knowledge as a group. Um, and, and obviously we may also look externally and do our own research and, you know, kind of use some of those um, kind of more traditional methods of, of researching, writing. Um, but it's also uh, there's a kind of freedom to be able to learn in the way that each of us want to and also how we want to as as a group so using the kind of accountability and structure of a group um and for me yeah when I think about this theme and I got to the stage of saying well, I really want to explore more in my grief I want to think more about death like what are my options how could I do that and also I could read some books um I started kind of going into community. There are some great organisations like death cafes um, I've been going to, which are you know, spaces to, to go and talk about death. And, um, you know, there's obviously a bit there, but I wanted to go to go deep and, and really kind of do a, um, I, I think that the learning process for me is, is a kind of a deepening one. Um, and by having, by kind of holding a question, you know, I, I work quite a lot in, in design and, and kind of program design. There's something about having a time bound um, period to look at something within you know, some of those, those structures that we have in, you know, in courses. Um, they, you know, they help us achieve something, right? It's like focus on this thing for this amount of time. Um, but then the, you know, adding in the accountability of others who are looking at it as well and being able to kind of collaborate, create things together. It's like this kind of almost incubator that I'm, I'm really excited about is that for me, I want to come at this from a, from a creative place. I, uh, my learning style is about kind of making. Um, and I think that's why, yeah, I have found kind of traditional education spaces harder because actually I want to do a project rather than write an essay um, so I might create a workshop or um, or a documentary um, you know another sort of form of, of expressing um, so for me I get really excited about okay taking a question something I want to explore doing you know the research working with others but actually then making something um, and having the freedom to decide what is the best way that that I want to learn and and yeah for me you know as somebody who's who's worked in in education and, and with young people a lot I always think whatever I'm learning I have a, a duty to to share to try and kind of if I'm making sense of something then trying to kind of pass that on to create a bit of a legacy um so that young people coming coming behind me can also kind of pick that pick that up so I also feel this um kind of call to share whatever we discover and, and and kind of figure out so there's also this kind of showcasing element we will lead up to a showcase event maybe it'll be an exhibition um which I think is yeah again this way of inviting in um others and I you know, tend to invite my family and friends to say this is what I've been thinking about and trying to and I think particularly on this theme where one of my questions is you know how can I have better conversations with my family about about this topic it's kind of also a route in to be able to do that say I've, I've been you know working on something within this this structure and and can I invite you to into it to, to kind of yeah continue that learning and help it kind of spread really
Well, what I'm really hearing is it's a way to like by by choosing to use a question or this huddle. There's it it it's it is a route to be able to express and also explore and like explore like explore deeply, like you know, mm. you know explore deeply within yourself with each other, um, and most importantly, ex- express um, yeah. experience. And I suppose that's just that it's a different way in to just providing support. It's a more creative, deep kind of um, route. Um, mm. And, you know, changing our perspective and changing our narrative around these experiences is just is is so important to how we then go on to live our lives and in living our lives in in and this sort of new way it's more fulfilling it's more healthy um mm. yeah really welcome that and i know that you've been using other ways to explore this theme of death i know you've just mm. recently come back from drinking ayahuasca ayahuasca being the vine of death so i'm really mm. curious as to your experience and obviously just you know feel free to express as much or as little as you as you wish wish with that I think many Mm. in my community know my experiences with um with ayahuasca and um yeah it can be a beautiful plant in order to explore this theme um yeah yeah, tell me more how how was your experience like what yeah yeah, it's, um, I mean, I had a very profound experience. Um, I was on retreat in the south of Spain um, and I took part in um, five ceremonies in, in total over um, kind of about, about eight days. Um, so, you know, which, which I now realise is only, you know, dipping my toe in um, to... Um, yeah to to kind of I think all that could could be explored with this plant I feel like it's really only you know a kind of taster in some ways um but yeah I mean there's there's a lot and I'm still in my kind of integration process so I think one of the things that has really is really staying with me since the ceremonies um it's really the idea of um, of life being sacred. I had quite a, yeah a strong kind of experience. Very, um, you know, I know you talk about the ayahuasca as the mind, body, soul kind of connector, and I really did experience that in levels that I I hadn't even realised that those things weren't aligned or that I wasn't accessing all of those kind of layers of myself um, until the experience of, of being in ceremony and being kind of shown the different ways in which I could kind of open up. Um, and yeah, a very kind of clear um, experience that I had was um, the idea of, um, yeah, the, the feeling of, of, of all of life being sacred, of, of me and my being being sacred, of the whole world being sacred um and that 
I'm, I'm holding that really as a question of what, what does that mean for how I how I live? Does that mean for how I look after my body, how I look after my soul as well, how I do that work? Um, and my and extending that out to how I look after my relationships, my the spaces that I'm in, um, and this idea of kind of working with the sacred every day. Um, what would that look like? What would that look like for the pace that I move through the world, for the type of work that I do? Um, it's, that really was a very kind of profound um, idea for me and actually something that I didn't really realise I was neglecting. I think I had, you know, kind of maybe a bit of a sticky relationship with spirituality. I had walked away from organised religion and, and kind of rejected those ideas. And so I think I had rejected a lot of, I wasn't really open to, yeah, to kind of ideas that that maybe were more spiritual. And I think the, the experience of, of the ceremony and connecting to essentially different ways of knowing and made me see how much I had spent time in, in my head, kind of my really prioritized the kind of cognitive logic um evidence <laughs> see you know work with what I can see and understand in my head um and up until till now that served me pretty well and that's you know kind of how um things have been modeled around me mostly that um you know that's how I make decisions that's how I understand the world and so this this experience to actually go into other ways of knowing deeper into my intuition, connecting into other places to kind of understand and experience um, the world through has, you know, has, has, it feels like it's really kind of cracked something open in me. Um, and so I think when I, yeah, when I think about it in, in relation to this work, it's, it is this question, yes, it's almost the, I feel like my body, my soul has experienced this, um, this idea of sanctity and the sacred. And so then it's even more, um, it's even more special. It's even more kind of worth living. Um, and also these, you know, the, I and some people on the, who are on the retreat with me do experience Oscar uh, often is this kind of shedding is these like um, mini deaths the things within us that need to die in order to make space for the new and so there's also that kind of metaphor I think when we think about death it's not always you know the final death of our um, our bodies running out but there's also the kind of the, the deaths of you know kind of the ways that we're living patterns things that need to to kind of be shared and so um yeah that's also a I think a helpful framing I mean there's just like such a poetry around like the that um that insight in in the coinciding of what the work you're doing I mean like you know just another sort of layer into the sanctity of, of, of life through mm. sure and informed, I'm sure, by your personal experience. Like you already had a real sense that through grief, you experienced life more vividly. Mm. And almost this medicine has just allowed you to really see life as sacred. Like it's sacred. Mm. 
And I really, I really relate to the stickiness around spirituality. It was a, it was a, a friend mm-hmm. of mine who um, said to me that I, that I was spiritual, and I literally, I was, I was just like, um, no, I'm not. And, <laughs> and she was like, Jude, anyone who goes and does, you know, ayahuasca like several, mm-hmm. you know, several times, um is spiritual like there's an there's an inherent like you're seeking you're seeking mm. you're seeking and and you know you're connecting with with spirit you're connecting with mm. something beyond that through which you can see and yet I just I, I find it really difficult to relate to that side of myself or to connect with that side of myself because you know it's been it, it's really been flushed out of our society like you know um spirituality and mysticism and um mm. was replaced by science and um logic and I think I was watching I was watching a, a webinar yesterday actually and uh there was a conversation around William Blake you know in the it's sort of at the end of the renaissance William Blake told wrote to Einstein and said you know stop what you're doing you're going to kill spiritual you know you're going to kill imagination you're going to kill mm. you know and 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 you know that that is what we're experiencing so we're experiencing life without this connection to our spirit to our soul and then we are you know feeling our, our, our spirit is depressed our spirit mm. we there's such a there's such an epidemic of 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 we call it mental illness but i mean this is emotional illness we're we're we're, we're depressed because um, mm. we've lost connection to our personal spirit and our collective spirit you know it's um yeah. and we're able to destruct the planet in the way that we are because we're disconnected yeah. from spirit and um so yeah, I, 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 it's no wonder then we've disconnected from our own spirit and our own spirituality because mm. it's not been um, seen as, I don't know, um, clever, <laughs> intelligent. Um, yeah, that's it. I, totally. And I, and I think, and I, I wonder if maybe I just also need a new word. I wonder if the word spirituality feels a bit loaded for me and the kind of industry that's that's you know around it sometimes. But what you were saying there also made me think about um, you know the, the kind of ineffable nature of this stuff. It's very difficult to put into words this the whole point of something being kind of mystical, right? It's hard to grasp, and that's also why I think creativity. And that's interesting you mentioned you know, William Blake is 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 a really important route in mm-hmm. that these things can be hard to yeah kind of distill into um words necessarily or really clear um kind of concepts but actually creativity offers us um a route into is that comes back to that idea of expressing of this kind of being in relation is another thing I really found very powerful about working with ayahuasca is that this was a very relational co-created experience I was you know bringing myself um and you know being in this reciprocal um healing process 
Um, but so I then by default am creating in that. Um, and that's very different from other kind of modalities of healing that we have, right? Of like I go and I receive and I expect to be healed. And I think that was again really powerful for me. It's like, what, what am I bringing to the table here? How am I, um, yeah, taking ownership and responsibility for what I bring, what I, how I choose to kind of create and participate and be in the world. Um, and that that will inevitably, you know, have something to do with how I end up, you know, my, my health and my thriving and all of it, you know, that we all need to, to bring it. <laughs> um, so I think that was, a, yeah, another powerful angle for me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And talking about creations and um, tell us where your new creation is taking place, mm. where the cuddle taking place, can people still enter it? Um, mm. What would, what do they need to bring to create um, a powerful experience within this cuddle? Great. Yes. Um it, the time is now very much. It's starting in May. We'll be kicking off um, in mid-May for six months. Um, we'll be meeting fortnightly, um, but once a month that will be in Brighton. So I'm inviting people who for whom it's possible for them to get to Brighton um, once a month. Um, and there's a, the applications are um, live right now, so you can visit them on the website. If you go to Huddlecraft and then look for Death Times Life or my name, um, then you'll find the webpage and you can express interest. There's lots of information on there. Um, and essentially what I'm asking for people is to, to think about what questions they're holding about the theme of death, loss and grief and to start from that place. And we'll begin with that conversation of, you know, where, where are you feeling curious? Um, and then together we'll we'll design what the curriculum should be, what are the different experiences in the room, how can we yeah, co-create a six-month journey that really inspires us and serves us. Um, so yeah, if that's you know peaks in any interest, then please, please get in touch. Um, and I'd yeah, I'd love people to join. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I'll put all the details of that in the show notes and I just really want to thank you for sharing your experience and thank you for creating um, this huddle and um, it's such an important topic it's not talked about enough and um, yeah I'm really grateful for you to um, to have brought this to life. Thank you, Jude, and thank you for inviting this conversation and, and seeing seeing something that I see in this too. Brilliant. All right. Thank you, love. Thanks, Jude. Thank you for listening, Body Mind Soul Seekers. If you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists, learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com To show your support for this podcast please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts It really does make a difference Thank you all so much Until next time